For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts, heaping, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, welcome to the first ever live episode of our podcast, Eagles Unfiltered. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host, Ed Kras. As always, you can find our work on Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated, which also powers this podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We want to try something different. You know, we interacted with our listeners and utilize our platforms. That's really what it was here. Uh, Twitch has been blowing up for us lately. We are affiliated on Twitch. We just wanted to use that platform and do a live podcast and be interactive with our viewers because you know in in sports talk radio nowadays it's always about the hot takes getting your reactions i i'm tired of that stuff you know i want to take these platforms that we're building and you know it's growing we're still starting up we're still you know we're still brand new and we value what people's opinions are we value what people have to say and we thought what's better way to go live on twitch and our youtube page Look at the comment section while we're also talking about our Eagles topics like we usually do. This is what we're this is what Ed and I are all about. We're all about listening to what you guys have to say. We're all about, you know, debate, having open opinions. So we're going to utilize these platforms and use Twitch and YouTube. Go live every episode we record again after we're done recording. You can find the episode on everywhere you get your podcast. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. And then you can also, if you missed a live show and you like to watch it on Twitch and YouTube, it will be on there right after the broadcast ends. So I know Ed and I are super excited. I know Ed's going to become a Twitch legend very soon, very soon. You know, uh, Ed, we got to get you on uh, Call of Duty, get you on that war zone. I yeah, I'm not, that, I'm not sure what that is, Call of Duty, but um, you know, I, I thought that's what I was doing here. This is a call to duty. Uh, you know, hooking up with Eagles fans via a new platform here. And that promo, Connor, was awesome. Nice job with that. Um, I'm pumped. I'm oh, ready to you know, find a helmet and go, you know, rent, run myself into a tree or something with my helmet on. I don't know. It was, it was good stuff. I hope you guys are all doing good. Thank you all for tuning in. We got a lot, a lot of interaction already on the Twitch page. I love to see it. We love Twitch. We've been using Twitch so much lately. Giovanni and I have been playing Warzone on there. Uh, if you guys like watching gaming and all that stuff, you can check us out on there. We're also going to have this show called The Hungry Dog Show that we're announcing soon. It's going to be Mondays and Fridays, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern time, kind of like Sports Talk Radio where we just sit back and talk about the, the topics in, in today's sports. You guys can comment. You can call into the show as well. It's going to be a great time. So Mondays and Fridays, we're going to start that soon at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. You're only going to get that on Twitch and YouTube pages, and we're only going to go live on there. We're not going to put that on the podcast. So join us. Have some fun. Crack open some beers. Let's talk sports. That's what that is going to be. All right, guys. Let's get to it. So, Ed. You got me riled up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. 
because I read this article and I'm like, you know, Leonard Dickerson is a great prospect. I'm so happy the Eagles got him because, you know, the one thing that the Philadelphia, the Eagles always do well is when their veterans are getting up there, they don't wait to replace them. They don't wait until they leave the building for to get their, uh, their predecessor, and they do that while they can learn from them in the meantime. So Leonard Dickerson, to me, is the future at center. He's going to learn from Jason Kelsey, who better to learn from. And, you know, I you had Brian Baldinger on the show, Eagles Unfiltered, and he compared him, like you said in the article, to Quentin Nelson, which is, you know, blows Eagles fans away. And, you know, Quentin Nelson is better than Isaac Sayamalu. But, you know, me personally, coming off the injury that Leonard Dickerson has, his body's taking a lot of beating. I'm all right with a redshirt season. I'm not clamoring for him to start because I still think Isaac Sayamalo is a good player, an underrated player by my, many people in this fan base. He's not a great player, but he's an above average starter and, you know, still young and on a favorable deal. I'm okay with Landon Dickerson redshirting and not only that with the injuries to offensive line, who says he doesn't line up at right guard with Brandon Brooks history. I know we have Jack Driscoll there. Nate Herbig played well last year, but uh, again, for me, I'm okay with Landon Dickerson sitting back and playing center next year for the Eagles. If Jason Kelsey does opt to retire or, you know, maybe he plays right guard because I think Brandon Brooks is probably playing his last season in Philadelphia. If it's not just Kelsey too. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Uh, Brian Baldinger compared him to Quentin Nelson, who is really the prototype guard in this league. Now, size, strength, nastiness, quickness. Uh, been in the league for, what, three years now? Uh, he's been a first-team All-Pro for all three of those years. So for Baldinger to compare him to Quentin Nelson, pretty heady stuff. I mean, I, and, you know, Baldinger couched it by saying, I know the injury history is real. The ACL stuff is for sure. Um, but, you know, he thinks that uh, the Eagles might use him at guard. That's something else he said is to, at least initially, because it's easier on the knees than playing center. So they might start him, uh, you know, early in his career at guard. And, you know, you look at the guard spots, Brandon Brooks, and like you mentioned, given his injury history, you don't know where that's going to lead over a 17-game season. And then, you know, Isaac Ciamalo is a veteran. And, you know, it's interesting, Isaac Ciamalo is the last man standing from that draft class of 2016. And, uh, you know, who, whoever thought that would happen when you put Carson Wentz in that class with the first uh, round pick, second overall. And then, you know, Isaac Ciamalo came very late and Halapulavati Vitae was in that draft. But, you know, Ciamalo was the last one still on the team from that 2016 draft, which is Who crazy. Thought? Who would have thought? Nobody. If you would have bet on that, you'd be a rich man if you could have gotten some odds on that because, you know, that certainly wouldn't have been the popular choice. I think Carson Wentz would have been the choice there. But, you know, that aside, Baldy did say that, you know, Ciam or uh, Dickerson could start – his career at guard. So you look at Siamalu or Brooks or a red shirt year. I don't think it's going to be a red shirt year. I don't think the Eagles want it to be a red shirt year. I think they want to put him out there uh, and start seeing dividends, uh, you know, as a second round draft pick. I know he wasn't doing a ton of stuff because again, he's still coming off the ACL injury, but uh, how, how included did you see him when you noticed him at OTAs? Like how he, cause it seems like when they show the practice videos and all that stuff, he's in there, he's in the huddles, he's listening to all the stuff. Uh, how, what, what did you notice when you were there? He seemed to be moving pretty good, you know, running from drill to drill, um, you know, doing the individual stuff, um, seemed to be doing just about everything. Now, you know, obviously he can't get involved with any contact. There was no contact uh, during these OTA periods, but that's going to be a whole nother ballgame once he's cleared for contact. And who knows uh, when that will be. Um, I believe his surgery for the ACL was last December. So we're looking at probably, you know, an eight month time window here. Usually it's a good nine months before somebody can return. But look, offensive linemen always have this ability to heal quicker. We've seen it with Brandon Brooks and his Achilles. Um, you know, Dickerson's been through this 
ACL rehab before, so he knows what his body can take. Uh, you know, we may see him out on the field at some point in July uh, doing a little bit more than what we saw in OTAs, which to me, he looked okay. He was running hard to get a gauge, though, when you just see a guy, a big guy like that running around. But he is huge. He's a big guy at 6'6", 330, and maybe it would be good for him to lose a little weight, uh, you know, make, make it a little bit easier on his knees, maybe drop 5 to 10 pounds if he can. Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, he still hasn't signed his contract. He's still the only uh, rookie pick that hasn't signed yet of the nine, which is kind of interesting because it's supposed to be an easy process to sign these rookies the way the collective bargaining is laid out. But uh, Dickerson still hasn't signed yet. You know, this is a good problem to have, though. Especially after all the injuries last year, the Eagles' offensive line. Like, that's not something I'm complaining about. If if Leonard Dickerson comes on and takes Isaiah Mama's job, so be it. They got a really great player playing guard. Uh, again, I, Ryan Kelly, the former, I say this multiple times, Ryan Kelly, the former center of Alabama, uh, who's the Indianapolis Colts center now, the first round pick out of uh, Bama, reminds me so much of Leonard Dickerson. I think that's what he's going to be when he becomes an NFL player for the Eagles. And, uh, anchoring that center position for years to come. Going from Jason Kelsey to Landon Dickerson is going to be amazing. It, we'll see how it unfolds, though. This is a great problem to have because you look at Dallas. I mean, for, for an offense that is so high-powered, their offensive line is deteriorating around Zach Martin. You know, Tyron Smith's not even close to what he used to be. I thought they should have took Rayshon Slater instead of Michael Parsons. You look at New York, the Giants, they didn't have a st- no stability along that offensive line. And Andrew Thomas played horrible last year. They looked like fools taking him over Makai Becton for how he played uh, with the Jets. So, and then Washington, they just got rid of Morgan Moses. They have nobody proven on that offensive line outside of Brandon Sharif. This is a good problem for the Eagles to have in a, in a, in a league that demands such great offensive line play. Uh, you know, they have Nate Herbig. They have Jack Driscoll, who's proven to be a great player as well. Uh, you know, whoever's going to be the left tackle, whether it's Jordan Mulata or Andre Diller, they still have a solid backup behind them no matter what. It, this is a great problem to have. So uh, hats off to the Eagles for taking the, the offensive line seriously, as they usually do. They built through the trenches. But uh, this is really, really what powered them to win the Super Bowl. So uh, to see them always put the emphasis on the trenches still, even with, you know, the Doug Pearson and Jim Schwartz era ending, it's great to see. I think it's great to see. I think it's a really great team building uh, formula right there. So I'm yeah. excited for it no matter what, because Leonard Dickerson is going to be a great player. Yeah, right. I mean, listen, you're right. The Eagles put a lot of emphasis every year on the trenches. Three straight years, they've drafted an offensive lineman. They took, obviously, Andre Dillard in 19, Jack Triscoll in 20, along with uh, Prince Tega Wanagahu, who you know left via uh, the practice squad. He's now with Kansas City, I believe. But you know they took two in 2020, and then this year they took Dickerson in the second round. So this is a point of emphasis that's always going to be the case, and that's why the Eagles are uh, consistently one of the better lines in the NFL, except for last year when you know we saw them have to use 14 different starting line combinations. So there was really no chance for uh, that unit to kind of. Uh, gain any consistency and um, that was a big part of the problem last year so you know hopefully getting some of these guys in you're going to need like Siamalu said when we had him during OTAs you're going to need six seven eight guys on the offensive line because guys are going to get nicked up it's a tough position to play so the more depth you have the more equipped you're going to be to handle uh, whatever happens during the season you know it's crazy too because they drafted Milton Williams in the third again showing emphasis on the interior defensive line but you know, I would argue the Eagles set the trend for that, Ed. You see all these teams. The Vikings just recently brought in Sheldon Richardson back, and they have Michael Pierce, and they have another guy. I can't come to his name right now, but all these teams seem to be ta- stacking up a defensive tackle. You would think the Eagles would be one of the teams that set the trend for that. I mean, they've always put emphasis on 
the interior defensive line and putting guys and having bodies at that position. And now they continue doing that with Milton Williams, Javon Hargrave, and Fletcher Cox coming forward. It always seems like the interior is the way to go for build, building teams out with this uh, organization. And it seems like other teams are following that trend as well. Uh, it's good to see. You know, with all the negativity around the Eagles, it, you seem like they do are setting a trend in uh, importance in the interior defensive line because I would argue with what Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox have been doing, it's just as important as it is as edge. Yeah, listen, um, you know, it was good to see them take a defensive tackle in the third round. Uh, that was the highest they took one since Benny Logan in 2013 when they took him in the third round from LSU. You know, usually in the past few years, the Eagles have addressed that D-line, the D-tackle spot in particular through free agency with signings like Timmy Jernigan and uh, Malik Jackson and Javon Hargrave. Uh, they even traded for Hassan Ridgeway. Uh, giving up a seventh round pick. So it's nice to see them kind of try to get somebody that they can uh, grow in their own building, so to speak, in Milton Williams, uh, you know, in Marlon uh, Tui Tuapolo, uh, you know, another guy that I think is kind of under the radar who I think helped them in the run game to start his career, maybe develop uh, some pass rush moves uh, to help in that part of the game at some point. But it's nice to see them address that position in the draft. And, you know, the funny thing about it is it wasn't really a strong uh, class for defensive tackles, but I think, you know, the Eagles did about as well as they could in taking uh, two guys that I think some rankings had them in the top 10, Marlon and Milton. So uh, it's nice to see them address it. You can't keep dipping in the free agency at that position year after year, especially now that Fletcher Cox is 30 years old, uh, has the biggest contract in the building. Uh, so you wonder what his future is going to look like. So they need to get some young guys in there, so inject some guys uh, and let them learn and build and grow their game within their system. Absolutely. Completely agree. So do you think Landon Dickerson starts the season for the Eagles and where so? you think he starts over Sam Uh It's a tough question to answer because we don't know his health. But, yeah, I think um, – and listen. Say he's, Jeff, healthy. Just say he's healthy. Just say he's healthy. Say he's healthy. I would say that, yes, he. there's a good chance that he could start over Isaac Siamalu. Um, one of the drawbacks to Dickerson and, and Stoutland mentioned this, and look, everybody has something to work on, but he said that he needs to keep his feet moving through contact. After he punches a guy, you know, in the mouth, so to speak, when he's blocking, he needs to keep those feet moving. Kind of a, a you know, a technique, fundamental technique thing that I think Dickerson will uh, pick up on just fine. But I think, you know, he is a talented player, no question about it. Um, whether or not he starts in Atlanta week one on September 12th or at some point during the season. Yeah, I think Dickerson uh, is going to start. Um, let's say he'll start at least one game. Will it be the opener? I don't think it will be um, just because, you know, I don't think he's going to be healthy. But I think as the season goes on, yeah, I think Dickerson can start somewhere on that offensive line. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Max thinks uh, I think Dickerson won't start until later in the season once he gets more acclimated than NFL, which is yeah, basically what yeah. that is with that too as well. Yeah, I uh, agree with you there, Max, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think he's too good to just kind of park on the bench uh, and let him sit and learn. I think he already knows a lot. He's certainly strong enough. That's one of the big questions that offensive linemen always face when they come into the league is the strength. We saw it with Andre Dillard, needed to get stronger. But I don't think Dickerson does. I think Dunk Dickerson has plenty of good strength to get by in the NFL early in his career. He's NFL ready. It's just yeah. the bottom NFL ready. That's right. what it is. 
So we'll see if we'll we'll see. I mean, either way, the Eagles got a great player. And you know, we said it last episode, and I, I agree with this as well. We have to remember this coaching staff isn't tied to anybody on this roster besides the guys that they drafted, and Dickerson was one of the guys that they drafted. So uh they're gonna want to see their investment and their return on their investment sooner rather than later. And if it has to be at the expense of Sayomalu, so be it. Because either way, I think the Eagles got a great player. But I I've always been in the camp of thinking I think Sayomalu is underrated. I always have been in that camp. I don't think he's a great player, but for the way that Eagles fans treat him, he's better than what they think he is. That's for sure. I, I believe that to be a, a fact. Anyways, let's move on, Ed, because we taught you had to talk the conversation with Brian uh, Brian Johnson this week. We finally got to hear him speak, and let me just say for the show, I saw him wear those uh, the Grinch Kobe's out of practice, and I trust him with my life now. He can handle whatever he has to do with Jalen Hurts, whatever he has to do with Joe Flacco, whatever he has to do with Nick Mullins. So be it. They got the right quarterback coach. Uh, the swag is off the charts. That's the franchise caliber quarterback coach right there in Brian Johnson. I'm so excited for him. But not only am I excited because of his shoes, I'm excited because of his press conference. Very detailed, very oriented. He knows how he's going to put it his quarterback in a position to succeed. And again, he just echoed the sentiment that Sirianni and all the offensive coaches and other coaches have been echoing since the start of it. We're going to tailor our, our systems to the strength of our players. Uh, you have to be excited for a coach like that handling such young, such a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts, right, Ed? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and even beyond what he can do, you know, obviously him and Hurts uh, have that great relationship that, you know, he's known Jalen Hurts since he was a toddler and friends with the Hurts family, Coach Hurts. Um, coaching high school down there in the Houston area. Um, but and, and that's gotten a lot of play, obviously, that storyline. Um, but, you know, something I wrote about was was what Johnson brings other than the Jalen Hurts and the Joe Flacco development is is the fact that – and Nick Sirianni talked about this at his initial presser, and maybe it just kind of went over some heads because it was late in the press conference that, you know, he had kind of stumbled, obviously, Sirianni did. But, you know, he talked about Brian Johnson and said, you know, we want to kind of be, you know, trendsetters with our offense and some of our plays. And we want to see what he can bring from the college ranks uh, to help develop uh, some sort of the offense or, you know, a player or two that he can bring from the college level that maybe NFL defenses aren't familiar with. And Kevin Petullo, the, you know, the pass game coordinator even followed that up when we had him a couple of weeks ago. And he said that, you know, we want to be cutting edge and, you know, if we can bring some concepts from the college ranks into the NFL, Brian Johnson could be the guy. And, you know, Nick Sirianni kind of was exposed to a college coach back in his first year in Indianapolis Tom Manning, who came over from Iowa State and helped coach the uh, tight ends. But, you know, Sirianni said that he also brought some of those college trends and concepts to the Colts offense. And the Colts offense was, I think, fifth uh, ranked in the league that year, sixth as an offense in general. Um, you know, how much of that credit goes to Manning, I don't know. But, you know, apparently enough to interest Sirianni in bringing on a college-level coach uh, like Johnson, who was terrific at the University of Florida as the offensive coordinator, worked with two first-round picks and Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney. It's going to be interesting to see what he brings to this offense and how he can scheme plays that maybe defenses haven't seen before. Brian Johnson put Kyle Trask in the second round. Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, in my opinion, isn't that good. <laughs> and he put him in the second round. And I mean, you know, having Kyle Pitts and uh, Kadarius Tooney and Trevon Grimes, even himself, uh, I know he's injured right now, but he was still a fine player for Florida. That That's great. Like, yeah. uh, but Brian Johnson, I mean, look, what great ties you just, Ed's bringing the heat for the first live show. Uh, that excites me, what you just said right there, because, you know, 
the one thing, and I've, I've said it multiple times before, and it, it, I'm preaching to the choir complaining about it, but so predictable, these offenses they've had. I know Chip Kelly's offense was a college offense, gimmick offense, but but Doug Peterson, nothing changed. There was nothing creative. Now you're hearing Nick Sirianni's going to implement uh, – I mean, you, we should have known this from the start when they hired Brian Johnson anyways, but to have the college level of offense and the pro-style offense be implemented in the same system together and change the elements to it, it's going to be a different – looking offense and a different look of defense week by week, I feel like, depending on the matchups. Yeah. I love that about this team because that's how you win in the NFL. You don't win trusting your system, and that's what these coaching staffs of previous resumes have struggled with the most. So uh, what great ties by you. Yeah, great. you know, and, and, and even, even you know, aside from that, I think, you know, and, and I didn't know this really, that Johnson could have interviewed for the head coaching jobs at Boise State and the University of South Carolina, but he wanted to come to the NFL. He wants to coach at the highest level. Uh, he's 34 years old, and I know it's really premature to say this. We haven't seen him. We don't know how this offense is going to operate. But, you know, I think he has the potential to be kind of a rising star in the NFL here. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, maybe if Shane Steichen were to leave at the end of the year, I think you could elevate him to the offensive coordinator spot or maybe in two years. Um, but I think Brian Johnson has the ability and the potential and now the opportunity to become a really big rising star in the NFL. If Shane Steichen were to leave, because, I mean, you know, the Eagles offensive coordinators, either they become duds or they become head coaches since Andy Reid's era. Uh if Shane Shetson was to leave, then I, Brian Johnson's my leading candidate to be promoted to OC no matter what. Because, I mean, obviously we haven't seen them play yet, and this is we're all getting excited off the hype. But, I mean, proven track record in Florida. That track record is pretty good because Kyle Pitts, you know, he's going to replace Julio Jones as the as the number one target that you would believe. I know Calvin Ridley's there, but uh, the Falcons are that confident in Kyle Pitts already to make this move off of Julio. Yeah. You know, they were confident before they picked Kyle Pitts, but now they're confident now. So uh, what Brian Johnson was able to accomplish at Florida and develop the talents that he was there, uh, like you just said earlier, the struggle they also struggle with developing talent and young talent as that being. And, you know, having a, a quarterback coach like Brian Johnson who's dealt with the young talent in the college level and developing those guys. like Because Kyle Trash before Brian Johnson is not drafted, folks. I don't think he is. If he is, he's a seventh-round pick. Uh Brian Johnson, though, he was an undrafted free agent. Uh, no, no, no. I meant if Kyle Trask doesn't oh. have Brian Johnson. Oh, oh, I see. He's going to be an undrafted free agent or a seventh-round pick. Yep. That's yeah. how excited I am for him. So I, great to hear, Ed. And, you know, Nick Mullins, they just signed, too. He's pretty yeah. young as well. Uh, Jalen Hurts is obviously we're going to have to develop him. But exciting stuff. What do you think of the Nick Mullins signing, though? Was that – you know, here's me. We – you know, Eagles Unfiltered on Twitter dropped this poll and uh, who, what quarterbacks they should sign. Nick Mullins was a part of there. And I know it's been rumored that they were in the Nick Mullins camp first by Adam Kaplan. But uh, for me, the third string quarterback position should be a quarterback you can develop. It should be Jamie Newman. He should be KJ Costello. Uh, he, he should be Nate Sudfeld. He, he doesn't have to be Nick Mullins, who should be quarterback too. Uh, I'm wondering. If you're that unhappy with Jamie Newman's play and you think you need to bring in some competition, you must also feel some other way about maybe a Joe Flacco, per se. Maybe Joe Flacco is not out there looking the way they expected him to be because you brought in Nick Mullins, who's been really quarterback two for the 49ers the last couple of years behind a shaky quarterback as is in Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, there's got to be something more to that, Ed, because the third string quarterback position should be a quarterback you develop who doesn't even suit up 
in my opinion. I know the Eagles have suited up Nate Sudfeld, but I don't think he should suit up. I think he should be holding a clipboard, learning on the sidelines like, you know, Jamie Newman or KJ Costello, so on and so forth, any young quarterback. But my thinking is you bring in Nick Mullins, you get rid of Jamie Newman, who you're not really worried about losing because he's an undrafted free agent, hasn't really been claimed yet either. So you might be able to stash him at some point or bring him back at some point or somebody else. Nick Mullins might be here to push Joe Flacco because he might not like what they're seeing from Flacco so far. And, you know, do you blame him? I mean, he played pretty bad with the Jets last year. So I I don't think Joe Flacco's quarterback two spot is as locked in as maybe some others think, uh, given his track record. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not sure I would go there. I just think Flacco was injured last year and even maybe the year before that. I think, you know, now he's healthy. Uh, you know, we saw him a couple times in OTAs. To me, he looked pretty good. Um, he was throwing the ball with consistency. The thing, and I was talking about this with a couple colleagues as we watched the final practice on June 4th, is that, you know, it looked like every throw Flacco made was the same in technique, accuracy, placement, all that stuff. Whereas, you know, with Jalen Hurts, it wasn't the case. You know, he the same routes he sometimes threw high or wide. Flacco's ball was always right there, the same place every single time. And um, that's not an indictment of Jalen Hurts, but I just think Joe Flacco is, I think, cemented as the number two. I'm Listen, something must be wrong with Jamie Newman for them to have cut him, or there must have been something that they didn't like at all, uh, the way he fits in their offense, perhaps, because – to me, you're right. They need to have a third quarterback that they can develop. And Nick Mullins is only 26 years old. I know he has had a lot of experience uh, in this league. You know, he's got more touchdowns and interceptions, let's face it. Um, and I think the reason he was still out there, and it was slim pickings on the free agent market, let's face it, there weren't a whole lot of, you know, Montanas and Brady sitting there waiting for the Eagles to come along and pluck. So Mullins was probably still available because he had elbow surgery in January. Uh, he's still kind of rehabbing. I'm not exactly sure if he's going to be – He, you know, the reports I've seen is he will be ready for camp, but uh, we'll see about that. Uh, to me, it's kind of surprising. If they thought Newman was had anything at all that he could offer, he would still be on this team going into camp just to be a camp arm, if nothing else. You know, they you need – What did they, you see? Yeah, they, they need guys to be able to throw the ball. Hurts and Flacco can't make every single throw in camp or they're going to have a dead arm come October. So they need guys like Mullins. They still, in my opinion, need a fourth quarterback. I don't think they've ever gone into camp with anything less than four quarterbacks. Never, uh, never that I can remember. Right. So I, I would expect them to sign another quarterback at some point. And again, don't get your hopes up. It's you know it's not going to be anybody, any great shakes of anybody. But um you know, I kind of speculated, look, look at San Francisco. Maybe you could trade for a Josh Rosen last year of his contract. You know, bring him in, um, see what he can do. Uh, because, they, you know, they obviously they drafted Trey Lance. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, even the Minnesota Vikings, there's a history, obviously, with the Eagles and Vikings. You know, they, they drafted Kellen Mond. They have Kirk Cousins. You know, who is their third and fourth string QBs? Maybe you could kind of swing a low-level deal with somebody like that. But I, I do think they need to get a fourth arm. And I, Nick Mullins is good. You know, he, he's made a lot of starts, played in the Super Bowl or didn't play, but he helped, you know, he was on the sidelines in a Super Bowl backing up Jimmy Garoppolo. Um but I don't think he's ready to be QB number two at this point. I think Flacco, to me, uh, wants to prove something, that he's not washed up. He still wants to play this game. He grew up across the bridge in Audubon, New Jersey. Um, I, I think he's going to be pretty good 
uh, as your backup quarterback. And if, and if Jalen Hurts comes out and isn't consistent, doesn't show what the Eagles want, I'm not sure they're going to be that, you know, they're going to give him that long of a leash. You know, Joe Flacco could be, uh, you know, put into the game sooner rather than later if something were to happen to Hurts or he doesn't progress the way they'd hoped. Please no. <laughs> like, no. I, I mean, even if they put flat. You know, even if they put Flacco in, I thought that's that's a tanky move still. Then they're definitely drafting a quarterback no matter what. And I think he would just help them get to that point of getting the higher pick. Because, yeah, I mean, I, you're right. Joe Flacco was coming off injury when he signed with the Jets. He probably wasn't fully healthy playing with them last year. But he, you know, even with the Broncos, he was awful. Like, I, it, I think it's just over for him. I think he's there because of you know how he's playing. But yeah, this was a bomb by you. That was a bomb. That was, that was a super bomb right there. Because. Uh, uh, no way do I pull. I don't care how bad Jalen Hurts is playing. If he plays a hole full, then he just told you what you're going to do in the draft next year. Keep rocking with him so you can get the higher pick to get that quarterback. Yeah, well, that, that could be the plan or a trade. You know, once, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson gets his legal uh, problems, uh, you know, settled or, or even Russell Wilson. Um, no, I, know, you know, I know that the Eagles took a chance on Michael Vick and Philadelphia is a really tough city, really tough city. So it, it was a really challenging time when they signed Michael Vick. Uh, protesters out in front of Novacare. Jeffrey Lurie's name got dragged to the dirt. Uh, yeah. Really, really tough time. I That's that's for killing dogs. You yeah. know, the stuff that Deshaun Watson's being alleged of is, you know, uh, you're supposed to be a franchise quarterback. Like, you, you, kids look up to you. Like, this is going to be a tough sell, regardless of how the situation unfolds, in, especially in a market like Philadelphia. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson is incredibly talented, but this is, can you always win with that guy as your quarterback and the cloud that's over his head? That's going to be over his head for the rest of his career now. Cause no matter what, whatever the situation ends, that cloud's going to be there and it might bother him. And, you know, Carson Wentz, Philadelphia bothered Carson Wentz. Like he had to get out of here. I know the situation was with Jalen Hurts and all that stuff. And people are going to think, say, he didn't want to get out of Philly. This, he wanted to get out of the situation. I, I think Philly got to him too. I definitely think Philly got to him. Oh yeah, you know, for sure. The market he went to is is nothing even close. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, I don't know if Philadelphia can handle Deshaun Watson. I really don't. Well, that you know, look, uh, you could think of the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, Adubel Herrera went through what he went through, was out of baseball, and now he's batting leadoff and starting every day in center field for them. And I think Phillies fans have. You know, come to grips with that. Um, oh, you know, I mean, he's playing well, I, but you know, Deshaun Watson. I, I think, I think it would be okay. I mean, I, I get what you're saying for sure that there would be some issues and people wouldn't be happy with it. Um, and it all depends, I think, how it resolves. Uh, it probably oh. doesn't matter, but I think it would be easier to get over if it resolves and you know, whatever, however it resolves, but favorably for Watson. I think that would be something that Eagles fans would consider too. I would hope. Um, but listen, I, who knows if they're going to go after Watson or not? I don't know. They could take that, you know, one of those first round picks and draft a quarterback um, and, and bring him in if, if something happens with Hurts and he doesn't show what they're hoping he shows. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's all speculation. And, you know, for another time we can get into that. But, I mean, I just think that uh, right now the way the quarterback room is structured, 
Nick Mullins is going to be your three. He's 26 years old. Maybe he can do something in the system. And that's what you love about Sirianni is he's used to working with so many different quarterbacks. And Brian Johnson uh, has has a guy now in in Nick Mullins that he can kind of help mold. He brings experience. He brings game experience into that quarterback room. And that's a good thing and something Jamie Newman uh, didn't have, obviously. Maybe, you know, maybe thinking of Newman, maybe Newman was so rusty after sitting out last year that, uh, you know, to me, he looked, you know, maybe a few pounds overweight when we saw him. I don't know uh, what his weight was, but you well, know, how are the throws? How are the throws? Um, you know, I didn't really get to see him throw much, but uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't strike me as terrible or anything, but I, you know, I'm just I don't know what it was with him and why another team hasn't signed him. He did opt out last year. Maybe he's still kind of trying to shake off some of that rust and wasn't able to do it in the or quick enough for the Eagles liking in those three weeks that they had him on the field. Hmm. It's interesting because I agree with you. They have you got to bring in a fourth quarterback. Yeah, got to bring in a fourth quarterback. They have to. I mean, I wouldn't want to put J- Jalen Hurts in a situation where he has to play too much in the preseason. We're not want to do that at all. Uh, I know he has to get acclimated to the system, but again, you know, he's your starting quarterback this year. Uh, I don't want him to get hurt at all. And again, Flacco isn't any younger, and his body's not going to hold up any better than Jalen Hurts' body's going to hold up. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure you want Joe Flacco playing a lot in the preseason. So, you know, is Nick Mullins going to play, you know, well, Max, six, uh, seven quarters over three games? I don't know. Max pointed out earlier, there's, and he's right, there's no way they're going to get rid of Flacco. They gave him $3.5 million guaranteed. He's on the team. Right. That he is going to be the quarterback too. I just think it's interesting. Like, I, I they're not going to eat three point five million. This is not going to happen. But uh, buyer's remorse. I mean, that could still be a thing. Let's bring in Nick Mullins still, just in case, because uh, if we have to turn to Flacco, we might have to call it a season. Maybe, maybe. Uh, you know, I'd like to see Flacco rebound uh, from his injuries, but. You say they're not going to eat three and a half million. I mean, they're already eating thirty-four and a half million for Carson Wentz. So, uh, right, but I mean, they got to they got to pick and choose at this point because they're, yeah, eating, they're eating way too much money as is. Like, yep. yeah, we, you know, we have to uh, figure this out eventually. But, uh, Ed, you know, I, I was trying to figure out a list of with this off air, and it, it's been tough because there's so many there's so many young players on the Eagles right now, and some of that can there's some there's some guys in position to really break out. I was wondering, is there anybody off the top of your head that you really you're high on after? Because I mean, you got to sit there and you got a feel for how things are going, how things are energized. Do you really? Did anybody say that to you? You're thinking, you know, that's gonna that guy's gonna have a season like he's ready. Hmm. Well, obviously Devonte Smith. You know, that's kind of an easy one. You know, he looked fantastic to me, just so effortless and you know runs his patterns gracefully. And um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see him this summer. Uh, in July and then in the preseason. Um, but other players, uh, you know, I think I think Zach McPherson can make a difference uh, on this team at cornerback. I think he's kind of being a little bit undersold as far as possibly being that cornerback too. Everybody thinks he's a better uh, slot corner. Um, and, you know, someone here just points out Dallas Goddard. You know, Goddard has to have a big season. He has to stay healthy. You know, he's playing for his contract too. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe the Eagles probably try to lock him up uh, at some point during camp uh, or, or even sometime before camp. Um, but, yeah, he he could certainly be a breakout candidate. I'm just thinking of young guys 
uh, on this team. I want to see what Michael Jaquette can do. I, I thought he played well in one game last year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at cornerbacks here because that's really a, a position of need. But, um, you know, I, I, I like McPherson and I like Jaquette. I think those two guys might be um, in the mix there to play cornerback too. And then you have Josiah Scott, who I didn't see much of, and Shaquille Taylor, uh, who could be there as well. But, you know, I, I you know, I think McPherson has the ability uh, to be a breakout candidate. My breakout candidate on offense, hmm. Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, yeah, that's good off as a huge playmaker for the Eagles this year. Jalen Hurts is going to throw a ton of stuff in the backfield. Dallas Goddard's going to go off this year. Dallas Goddard's already proven himself to be a good player, in my opinion. And I, I think every, everybody agrees with that. Even PFF ranked him as a top five ten already. So he's nationally recognized as a good talent. His target share is targets his receptions his touchdowns his, his yards are obviously going to go up this year uh but i i expect him to have a better season than he's always had before but kenneth game was gonna be my pick because uh the passing um, excuse me the receiving running backs gonna be so huge and pivotal in this offense um you see what austin eckler's done in san diego i mean excuse me with the los angeles chargers that's where saint agent comes from you see what Na- uh, naeem hines has done with indianapolis that's where nick sirianni and kevin batua come from kenneth game is gonna have a huge year for the eagles this year it, he I'm not going to say he's going to push Devontae Smith for the most important rookie on this team because I don't think that's – I think he's going to be Devontae Smith by a long shot. But he's going to be such a noticeable impact that Eagles fans are going to be buying his jersey by the end of the year, hmm. just like they did with Sproles. So nice. my, my defensive player is Kayvon Wallace. And why I say Kayvon Wallace is because the opportunity is going to be there this year. Uh, after – I can thoroughly say myself, when I read that article on uh, why the safety duo for the Eagles with Anthony Harrison – Rodney Cloud's going to be so imperative to the corners this year. Uh, studying that film, the third safety in Jonathan Gann- with Jonathan Gannon got way too much play. Uh, they always were around the ball. They are always around the line of scrimmage. They always were a force. Kayvon Wallace at Clemson was one of the best tackling safeties in the whole entire college football. This is his role. This is where he does best. And I, I interviewed him for Eagle Maven, and we talked about this. And he said that's the one thing he's excited for with this defensive coordinator is he's going to be around the line of scrimmage. He's going to be doing stuff that he's used to at college. He's going to be moving around. He's going to be in the slot. So, Cameron Wallace, to me, the, the opportunity wasn't there in Jim Schwartz's defense until injuries happened where he was forced on the field. This scheme is specifically suited for him. And that's going to really show this year because he is talented. So I think Kayvon Wallace, my defensive player, my offensive player is Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah, great candidates. I mean, Gainwell, think about Gainwell. You hope he gets the opportunities behind Sanders and Boston Scott even. You know, Scott's not going anywhere, and he's a pretty good pass catcher. So I hope Gainwell does get the the opportunities. Gainwell's um, a lot better than Boston Scott, though, man. I hate to break that. They're going to notice yeah. that immediately. I, yeah. You know, uh, on Johnson, I think, will beat out Jordan Howard. Uh I don't. I don't think. I don't know if they're going to carry four running backs, but if they do, it's not going to be uh, Jordan Howard and Carry on Johnson. That's not going to happen. It's going to be one of those two. Uh, right. Boston Scott could make the team because of that. Because Boston Scott, in my opinion, is their best short yardage back on the team. Everybody's gonna be like Jordan Howard is, or or uh, Jordan Howard is awful in short yardage situations last year. Uh, carry on Johnson has never been the same since a rookie year. Uh, you know, Boston Scott. Deserves to make the team, but Kenneth Gainwell is going to be running back too for this 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 team, this offense, because of how explosive he is as a receiving running back. And again, this scheme is specifically tailored to a running back like that. So I know all the hype and is around Kenneth Gainwell is limiting what fantasy players think of Miles Sanders, and I do understand it to a to a fault. 
Uh, but Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell are going to be a one-two punch for years to come. That's going to be insane and really hard to keep up with. Uh, we didn't get that much of of Deshaun McCoy and Darren Sproles as we hoped for. We only got one season with it. We're going to have that again with Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, and hopefully get years to come from it. Yeah, I I, I like it. You know, I like you know. Again, we'll see. I mean, Boston Scott's a competitor, um, and Gainwell might be better. I I, I'm hiring. But you and I are higher on Boston Scott than the fan base is because I think if yeah. you ask the the did a poll with the fans. They love Jordan Howard and they like carry on Johnson because carry on Johnson was an impressive rookie. But again, he's, he's not the same. And I, I like carry on Johnson, but if he's to make the team, he beats out Jordan Howard and that's it. And they, and it has a very limited role. Uh, it's really going to be a Miles Sanders can game. I'll show in my opinion. And if Boston Scott can get in there for the short yardage down, he's going to uh, Boston yeah. Scott is definitely the giant killer though. We have to definitely, when they, when the Eagles play the Giants, so they have to play Boston Scott. <laughs> He has to start at least. Well, but, that's not going to be until later in the season. They don't play the Giants until who? Know, I think November, maybe, or de- you know, December. Right. You know, two games within a span of three weeks. So we'll see if Boston Scott's even on the roster at that point. I mean, they kept up. I know everybody's gonna be like, "You didn't, you didn't pick Jordan Malata, you didn't pick Josh White, and and I wrote about these guys. I've written about why I think they're gonna be really very good players and you know and perform at higher levels than they have in years past. Uh, to me, Jordan Malata, you can definitely put as a candidate as breaking out. Uh, he still has to beat out Andre Dillard though, which I, I think this is just a casualty. This, this I think this whole competition at left tackle is a, is a hoax. To be honest with you, Ed. There's no way you can play Andre Tillard over Jordan Mulata for what Jordan Mulata showed last year. Jordan Mulata showed uh, peak Jason Peters play on the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. And, and I, I drew the comparisons in the article of how much better Jordan Mulata performed compared to Andre Dillard's rookie season. I know it wasn't the same amount of snaps, but you can see the fine line of comparison. And Jordan Mulata, I think, I, I can't really go back. I read that article so long ago, but Jordan Mulata didn't give up a sack after so so amount of snaps where Andre Dillard would give up a sack after, I think, every four snaps. Like, again, Andre Dillard's rookie year, he was adjusting the NFL. He's different now. I, I got to say, that press conference, good job, kid. Like, good job, kid. And you, you impressed Jeff Stoutland. If you press Jeff Stoutland, that's a good thing, too. He's going to get the opportunity, but uh, to me, I mean, you know, this team is saying they're going to be in a quarterback competition, Ed. You know, they're not really crowning Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback, but they are crowning Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback. I see the same thing happening with Mulata right now. Lane Johnson, when he posts out that that tweet to PFF, like, screw your rankings, it's Jordan Mulata's there. Like, I gotta say, man, like, they, they, you don't say that he's the starting left tackle, but you act like it. He did most of the first, I know you said he was switching in and out, but the first one for the first team was Jordan Mulata. Yeah, I, you know, I just hope it's a true competition. You know, I hope Howie Roseman doesn't have the final say because he might lean toward his number one pick in the draft from 2019, Andre Dillard, and say, you know what, we can play Jordan Mulata at swing tackle. He can be our right tackle. He can be our left tackle. Dillard, we've seen, can't really go to the right side. Uh, and he was a number one pick. Those are probably two things in his favor. Um going into this competition. And like I said, I hope it's a true competition. It's settled on the field. I hope it's Nick Sirianni's decision and Jeff Stoutland's decision. Um, because if it's going to be Howie's, I think he's going to lean toward Andre Dillard. You know, Josh Sweat, I'm higher on Josh Sweat than I think most people are because they limit him and what his injury can do. But, you know, he said it himself. The knee didn't affect him anymore last year. It was another separate injury. 
obviously he has to hold up. His body has to hold up. But I mean, if I'm the Eagles, 50-50 with Derek Barnett this year instead of 60-40. Like Joshua is, to me, a better player than Derek Barnett. Uh, Derek Barnett's a more consistent player from an every down standpoint than Josh Sweat is. But to me, the ceiling for Josh Sweat is that higher of Derek Barnett's, especially the pass rush department. So I know Derek Barnett's great against the run. You can use, always use a defensive end like Derek Barnett on the team. The, the thing about him was he's a top 15 pick and he's underwhelming. You have Patrick Johnson now, who, again, we had Thor Nystrom on the show, NBC Sports League draft analyst, and he compared Patrick Johnson, the seventh round pick, to Derek Barnett. Uh, I think you can play Derek Barnett, but I think you should build on Josh Sweat. I would love to see Josh Sweat have a breakout year for this team and start more and play noticeably more, not maybe not noticeably more, but uh, be on the field a, a noticeable amount as much as Derek Barnett is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they approach their, their rotation. You know, we saw Jim Schwartz love to rotate his defensive lineman. I think we'll still see some of that, but um, yeah. you know, I think Barnett, you know, he's making a ton of money. This is his last year of his contract. Um, you know, but I still think he's going to be out there an awful lot. And I, I think sweat should be out there an awful lot. Those are, uh, you know, two of your up and coming guys, Barnett, maybe not so much. And Graham is certainly going to be out there. Um, but I think you could work the three of those guys in a rotation and then we'll, we'll see who the fourth guy is going to be. You know, as far as I know, it could be Patrick Johnson, but yeah, I, th- I think Josh Sweat's a good breakout candidate. He certainly could if he gets the opportunity. And that's the thing when you talk about these breakout candidates, you know, you think Gainwell will get the opportunity. I think he will. Um, but you look at opportunity, there's opportunity at the cornerback spot. That's why I go with Zach McPherson. Um, and I think on offense, you could look at Fulgham, Travis Fulgham. Uh, he's going to have the opportunity to be that third receiver um, that they could depend on. So, you know, he could be a breakout candidate on the offensive side of the ball as well. You know, uh, I like how I think John, John wrote that article about Fogum having the inside check on the uh, third wide receiver role. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, why not? I think he should start at the X. Yeah. This is where I get tough with it because people are going to be like, well, where do you do you put Rager at a slot and then you, you call Rager a slot for now on? Interchangeable with Rager. All these guys, really. I think Fulgham could benefit from the slot too. And and yeah. you know, if they do decide to keep J.J. Sawyer white side, if he shows something during this training camp where they need to keep him or they feel like there's something there that needs to be unlocked, he's going to have to play in the slot. He's yeah. going to have to – really, he's going to have to start in the slot. If, if J.J. Sawyer white side is to have a future with this organization or this team, it's going to have to be strictly from the slot and then earn your, your uh, snaps on the X after you show that you can handle that competition because he, ha- he hasn't shown you that he can run routes. And he hasn't shown you that he can handle press coverage well. So we're a better way to to get a player to get to improve in those areas and line him up the slot. Yep. So, all these Eagles receivers this year, especially with the receiver coach that they have now head coach and Nick Sirianni, are going to be lining up in different positions. So uh, when we say Fogum's going to be wide receiver three, we we don't really mean he's going to be you know the slot receiver or low on the totem pole. We're just saying there could be a lot of eleven personnel this year. It's going to be a lot of three wide receiver sets. Fulgham deserves to be on the field for that. I agree with Max, too, here. With the, it's not a complete fluke what he did. Mm-hmm. It was a complete fluke that they had a coaching staff that, again, proven they couldn't handle developing young talent. That's what the fluke was there. Uh, I think Fulgham showed enough to build upon. I think he's going to be a great, have a great year. I really do. I wouldn't be surprised if he leads the Eagles receivers again in receiving yards. I know Devontae Smith is the favorite right now, but 
teams are going to hone in on Devontae Smith. Even though he's a rookie, he's still the Eagles' biggest threat at wide receiver now, Oh, right from the gate. Heisman Trophy winner, 10th overall pick. I mean, he's he's going to be catching every defense, every every secondary's attention. Who's going to benefit from that? Maybe Fogum. Maybe Goddard. But maybe Fogum. We'll see. Maybe Rager. But I, I, I do think if, if you got to do the three wide receiver sets, it's got to be Fogum, Rager, and Smith. Yeah, and, and all these guys have to be interchangeable. Um, you know, I think they're all going to have to play inside and outside. Um, and that makes the offense even more unpredictable. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, if Fulgham can learn the slot, that's going to be to his benefit. Ortega Whiteside, the slot, um, with the ability to go outside in certain formations, doesn't mean you have to throw to him. But if that puts, you know, Smith or Rager in the slot, and, you you know, they're the number one option, that makes them more dangerous. I just think it's going to be a lot of guys – and they better be in their playbooks this summer before they come back from camp for camp because that's what they're going to have to learn is they're going to have to learn the X, the Y, the Z. They're going to have to learn all three positions uh, in order to get on the playing field. They're not just going to have to say, okay, you're going to be our outside X receiver uh, because you're not going to get much playing time in that role. You're going to have to be inside and outside, and you're going to have to be able to run routes from either spot. Again, I mean, Greg Ward is such a reliable receiver, but I'm okay with him being wide receiver four. I don't think you can ask more from wide receiver four from him anyways. So uh, I, he has the inside track to wide receiver four. And he's so reliable. You know, he's just, he, you know, Zach Ertz was um, Carson Wentz's security blanket. Greg Ward is Jalen Hurts' security blanket. So there's still, there's still a role for this war on this team, yeah. but it's wide receiver four. Yeah. And, and him and Hurts have a great relationship. You know, we saw them connect a few times, especially in fourth down last year. Um, you That's know, Hurts at Green Bay was nice. Yeah, that was just that was the first career touchdown throw that Hertz had. Was that what thirty yarder or so to to floated that ball right into his hands, right into his hands, and then uh, Arizona touchdown was a bullet that Ward caught too. Yeah, there was you know Greg Ward and him had something real. You can't get rid of Greg Ward. No, no, Greg Ward, and he's he's really kind of the leader of that group. It's a young group. There probably isn't a real true leader, Um, but if you look at somebody, he's the oldest guy in that room at 20, almost 26 years old. He's he's the leader of that group. And I don't think you're going to get rid of your leader. I think you're going to try to get him on the field in some capacity, you know, whether it's, you know, 30 percent of the snaps, whatever it is, he's going to play. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. No, no doubt. In my mind. Because not only that, you, you know, everybody's worried about what are you going to do at tight end, too? And they bring back Richard Rodgers, who I think was the right move to bring back, because I don't know if I know they're going to implement 12 personnel no matter what. Nick Sirianni did in Indianapolis and it 12 personnel is a thing in the NFL, no matter what. Uh, so I do think they're going to implement it, but it's definitely going to, they're going to lean way against it now because I don't believe Ertz is going to be on this team this year. I still don't, I don't believe that's going to happen. And you think he's one way or another, it's going to get resolved and he's not playing for Philadelphia in 2021. Right. So your tight end two is going to be Richard Rodgers. Richard Rodgers should play to 20 to 30% of the snaps, which is probably about, I want to say about 30 to 40% usage of 12 personnel this year. That's fine with me. If you're leading 60% on 11 personnel and you're really a first-year 11 personnel type offense to lean on it, that's fine with me. That's perfectly fine because then you can have Greg Ward have a bigger role than than Richard Rodgers has, and that's what he deserves to have. So I I completely agree. You can't get rid of Greg Ward no matter what. Um, It's really going to be down to do they carry six receivers because – J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Quez Watkins, John Hightower, are they're going to have to battle this out. Yeah. 
like Aaron Moorhead said, there's going to be guys battling their butts off for a job. And and that's the case at wide receiver, no doubt. And and the same at running back. I mean, you know, if you keep six receivers, you may only keep keep three running backs. Um, you know, so who you know, obviously Scott Gainwell. Well, maybe not obviously with Scott now. I mean, if they like carry on Johnson. Um, but still, you know, there, there's going to be fewer jobs at running back if you keep six wide receivers. You know, you're probably going to keep 10 offensive linemen. Um, this year, which I think Jack Stoll might have like the inside track to tight end three. Jack Stoll could be, you know, maybe a practice squad guy if they only keep two tight ends. Um, yeah, they could go that route as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They, they did that to start the season off last year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a different staff, but we'll, we'll see what they're thinking and we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, Jay Jaw out of here, huh? With <laughs> I think so too, man. I I I yeah. you know, if I would see if he has any value and try to trade him for like, you know, swapping picks, mm. you know, get a six round pick next year and you throw in your twenty twenty one seventh, something like that. Cause uh what you want Fogum to be is what you were hoping our Sega Whiteside would be, and he showed you nothing close. Fogum showed you that he can be that. Focus yeah. on that. What cut 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 losses. Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't you know, it, it, play, it also does players wonders when you this situation for our sake of white side is not going to work out. Yeah, I, it's the same. It's not even the same as Aguilar because at least Aguilar was productive, but his head's the same as what Aguilar's was in Philadelphia. He needs to leave. I don't think he's going to be successful here. I think it's already too much for him because uh, he's going to get. I mean, he's always going to have to hear about DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin no matter what, and he's nowhere even close in that atmosphere of being those guys. Uh, so. You know, it, it would be it would do him a little bit better to to have a new situation, I think, and yeah, and it would do the Eagles better too because they could focus on Travis Fulgham and tell Jeffrey Lurie like, "Hey, no more decisions from you, big guy." <laughs> yeah, if only it was that easy. Um, you know, he he is the owner, the big guy. I know he's going to want to have his his say. Do you think that they would cut JJ? Do you think they would get rid of JJ Osega Whiteside this offseason? Well, I don't think they'll be able to trade him. I mean, if other teams are looking at the same roster that we are and they see this competition at receiver, so they know that if we want J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and that's a big if, uh, we're not going to give you anything. Right, but he was highly thought of at one point. I mean, yeah, he was. Yeah, when he was maybe. You know, maybe some mm-hmm. team would think, you know, maybe it's just the Eagles not being able to develop. Because, again, I mean, the, the Raiders did get Aguilar on like an $800,000 deal when he was leaving the Eagles. So I don't know. Yeah. Right. Maybe maybe no team's gonna really worry about uh getting our single white side, but you know, they have to build upon what Quez Blocking showed when Jalen Hurts got inserted. Uh John Hightower had some moments. You know, he had some really bad drops, but he did have some moments where he tried to be a vertical threat. Uh those are the guys you gotta build upon. Wasting time on J even more is just just saying, Hey, we wanna show some capital in that second round pick still. That's it. That's literally it. Yeah. Well, listen, we talked about Ward. You know, Smith, Rager, and Fulgham, they've got four receiver spots right there locked up. I don't think Fulgham's going anywhere. And if you keep five, you know, Hightower, Watkins, uh, Arcega Whiteside, I mean, that's probably why it's a good thing Trayvon Grimes was hurt. And that's probably a reason they didn't get drafted and they cut him injured. And now they brought him back, put him on injured reserve. So he's done for the year. That's um, yeah, it's a redshirt year, and then you see how this wide receiver group sorts itself out, and maybe he's a factor in 2022. Um, but as far as this year goes, yeah, I don't. I just don't think there's a place for Ortega Whiteside, and you know, you you could put 
Quez or Hightower, you know, on the uh, practice squad, if you go with five, I guess. I'm not sure anybody would pick them up, but they might. I mean, they do have that experience from last year. Hightower had some, you know, some deep catches. Quez Watkins turned a short throw into a pretty electric touchdown um, in one game. So, I mean, they do have a bit of a resume that isn't negative like Ortega Whitesides is. So, um, to me, unless Ortega Whiteside comes out and you know catches eight eight passes in each of the preseason games, um, I don't think there's a role for him here. I agree with you 100%. So, guys, we're going to wrap this up real quick. Again, follow all Ed, John McMullins, and myself's work at si.com slash NFL slash Eagles. We're going to be recording our podcast, Eagles Unfiltered. You can find it. Anywhere you get podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. But we're going to be doing them live now on Twitch and YouTube every time we record. Feel free to come into the comments, talk to us, have your opinions heard. This is the first episode that we did this live, but we're going to continue to do it going forward. We're going to utilize our platforms. Don't forget to subscribe on Twitch and YouTube. Turn on the notifications. We'll let you know when we're going to be live way ahead of time. But we're going to continue doing this forward, and we want to hear from you. We want you guys to be included in the podcast because there's a lot of garbage takes out right now, and we want to just discuss true football sports debates with you guys. Thanks for yeah. tuning in. Follow all of us. Again, Ed, thanks, Bowen, and myself, si.com, slash NFL, slash Eagles. We've got some sponsors to announce next week. Let's go. Let's get it. See you thanks, guys. everybody. Yeah, thanks for being part of the growth. Appreciate it. The baby steps we're taking here, we're going to take together. Yeah, let's go, Ed. Let's we do it. Got, you guys got to subscribe to the Twitch channel so you can use the Eddie emote. Subscribe. Yeah. Let's do this fast. Your cousin from Boston. Sam Adams Summer Ale is brewed with a hint of citrus. Perfect for a hot summer day like this one. End of commercial. It's peak tanning hours, dude. I'm out. Sam Adams Summer Ale. The Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in-store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.